Fringe with Benefits is brought to you by Cacao Bliss, chocolate that's actually healthy. If you're looking to lose weight, boost your energy, and reduce inflammation, check out Cacao Bliss. Right now, you can save 15% off your next order of Cacao Bliss. Go to earthechofoods.com. Use the promo code BENEFITS when you check out. Third time's a charm. Welcome to Fringe with Benefits. Stacy here. I'm your fabulously witty podcast host. Now that we're all citizen scientists and citizen journalists, I feel like I need to say that we live in an age of mass media and we all have an opportunity to share information and opinions unlike any other time in our history. With that comes great responsibility to be brave and speak out against injustice and speak out to encourage and fulfill the pursuit of knowledge and the freedom of information. And that's why I come to you to scramble your brain on all things anomalous, peculiar, weird, and abnormal. Mad dash time, guys. You ever feel like you're in a mad dash to do something and to get something done? Like it's gotta get done, but you gotta hurry up because things are about to not accommodate that thing getting done. (laughs) That's basically what I'm going through right now. If I could get my computer to work fast enough, then we could get done with this faster. But that's my own internal struggle that I'm sharing with all of you. Because I really love doing this. And I can't believe that we are on episode 44 already. So a pat on my back for being consistent and doing something that I'm really enjoying because this last year has been a real doozy. I don't know about you guys, but it was for me. And you know, I'm the kind of person that if I'm suffering, I'm, I want to talk about it. I have to get it out in one way or another. And that could be why I spend so much time at the gym and I have to make sure that I do it because it is, it is a way for me to expend a lot of negative feelings. So I don't know what you guys do to expend negative feelings podcasting might be one of them for you. You know what I mean? Okay, so Stacy's socials. Let's talk about some things that I saw that I want to talk about. First, let's talk about this article that's about seven years old. It was sent to me by a friend. This article came out about seven years ago. They told us about this wacky thing Facebook was doing with our our emotions and reactions. It's kind of a like a gaslighting experiment in a way and it's really interesting so I wanted to share this with you. It came out in Forbes magazine. It says that Facebook manipulated 689,003 users emotions for science. It says Facebook is the best human research lab ever. There's no need to get experiment participants to sign pesky consent forms that as they've already agreed to the site's data use policy. A team of Facebook data scientists are constantly coming up with new ways to study human behavior through this social network. These are all things that we need to know, guys. It can keep track of status updates that we never even actually post. So you know how you type things in and you're like, oh shit, I better not post that and delete, delete. They keep track of that, guys, and they are assessing and observing your behavior and your choices. Interesting, right? The new scientist in Animal New York, 
reports that Facebook data scientists manipulated the news feeds of 689,003 users, removing either all positive posts or all of the negative posts to see how it affected their moods. This happened in January 2012. Researchers led by data scientist Adam Kramer found that emotions were contagious. We didn't, it's not like we, we actually already knew this. This is kind of an intuitive thing that we know as humans, as animals, as sources of energy, right? He said when positive expressions were reduced, people produced fewer positive posts. And more negative posts, when negative expressions were reduced, the opposite pattern occurred. These results indicate that emotions expressed by others on Facebook influence our own emotions, constituting experimental evidence for massive-scale contagion via social networks. Let's read that again. Constituting experimental evidence for massive-scale contagion via social networks. Let's take two words out of that. Social contagion. And another two words, massive scale. Let's put them together. Massive scale social contagion. Their experiment ran for about a week from January 11th to the 18th, 2012, during which hundreds of thousands of Facebook users unknowingly participated. Unknowingly participating may have felt either happier or more depressed than usual. Probably nobody was driven to suicide, this guy tweeted. Okay, this is a professor. He linking. Okay, so this professor tweeted linking to the study saying probably nobody was driven to suicide, adding a hashtag joking, not joking. Okay. The fact that people were more emotionally positive in response to positive emotion updates from their friend stands in contrast to theories that suggest viewing positive posts by friends on Facebook may somehow affect us negatively, they say. Let's, let's look at that. So you know how people talk about that we're watching our friends having these wonderful experiences and people are showing, you know, the good sides of their life that they, they say that that actually makes us feel bad about ourselves. Well, it's actually the opposite. Let's go further. It says, when they took all the emotional posts out of the person's newsfeed, that person became less expressive, so they wrote fewer posts. Prepare to have Facebook curate your feed with the most emotional of your friends' posts if they feel that you're not posting enough. So they show you more things that are going to excite or infuriate or make you feel bad to induce you to post more frequently or less. So they can go the other way too. It says that I'm sure you've all read, says Facebookers information will be used for internal operations, including troubleshooting, data analysis, testing, research, and service improvement, making all users potential experiment subjects. We all, we all know this now. This article was updated June 30th, 2014, and it said that Cornell University released a statement saying its ethics board, which is supposed to approve any research on human subjects, passed on reviewing the study because the part involving actual humans was done by Facebook and not by the Cornell researcher involved in the study. Though the academic researchers did help design the study, as noted when it was published, so this seems a bit disingenuous. They are alleviating any kind of responsibility. So there you have it. What are they studying now? What kind of influence does this have on public opinion or even the voting majority? The fact that 
What they show us can cause us to post more or less often is interesting and concerning because they are influencing our behavior by manipulating our emotions. How does that make you feel now that you know that? How much do you want to spend? What, how much time do you want to spend on Facebook knowing that they're actually influencing your behavior on how you interact there? I know it definitely makes me think for sure. The next thing we're going to talk about is we're going to revisit the John McAfee thing, you know, his death. And I wanted to share with you a statement from his wife that I ran into. And I want to read this to you because this is the person that was closest to him. She said, I've been trying to find the words to adequately express my thoughts. I'm still in shock, in disbelief, really. John should never have spent a day in prison, let alone nearly nine months. I spoke with him twice in the morning of the 23rd, and in our last conversations, we spoke about the court's decision to extradite him to the U.S. This decision did not come as a surprise to John, myself, or his lawyers. We were prepared for the Spanish courts to grant the request for the extradition. We had a plan of action in place to begin the appeal process, and we discussed plans for the next stages of his legal fight. The extradition would not have happened immediately. It would have taken many months at least. Besides that, John had already won a victory before the hearing in that seven of the ten charges in the case were dropped in the days leading up to his hearing. John was a fighter, and he had so much more fight left in him. He told me to be strong and not to worry. We would continue to fight all the necessary appeals. His last words to me were, I love you, I will call you in the evening, but sadly, that call never happened. The story of John's suicide was already prepared and presented to the public before I or his attorneys were even notified of his death. Words cannot describe how enraged I am at the fact that I had to hear the news of John's death via a DM on Twitter. And now it's being conveniently reported that there was a suicide note found in his pocket, something that was not mentioned when I collected John's belongings from the prison and another piece of information the media somehow got a hold of before myself and John's attorneys. I appreciate everyone's condolences and the love that you have shown for John. Your love and support mean more than you know. I have received countless messages, so please forgive me if I do not respond. As I am sure you can all understand, social media is the last thing on my mind right now. I need answers, and that will take time. The investigation into John's death is still ongoing, but I will share what information I can, when I can. Until then, I do not accept the suicide story that has been spread by the malignant cancer that is the mainstream media. And they, they and their unnamed sources are not to be trusted. End quote. I thought that was really important to share. Let's pray for her, and hopefully we can get down to the bottom of this mystery and this disaster that has become our current reality. So anybody who's hip to what's going on around our earth, it is, there's some really crazy stuff happening right now. And I do not claim to know what is happening, but watch, keep your head on a swivel. You will, will be able to see the patterns. Okay, let's move on. The Daily Dot put out an article. All these are linked below. You can check it out. But this one made me super suspicious. I have seen this woman in a similar video where she was harassing some young men who were skateboarding. So either, so I guess she went out of her way to call the police and chase around these boys. So she, either she's a legitimate lunatic who harasses people on the regular, minding their own business, or this is completely staged to induce an emotional reaction and cause further division. 
You judge for yourself. Here's the scoop. The article says, have you ever heard of a leash in a city, says a white woman dubbed a Karen who was captured on video by an Asian man? The woman also allegedly told him to go back to his own country before the cameras came on. Which country should I go back to, Karen, the man filming says. The woman attempts to get his dog to run into a New York City highway multiple times. Redditor at Tefunka posted the video on Sunday. What kind of problem do you have, lady, says a passerby who criticizes the woman for making racist comments and trying to get the dog to go into the busy street. They don't put a leash on in your country, the woman asked before unsuccessfully getting the dog to follow her into the street. The video ends with the woman talking to a police officer through his car window. Look at this woman. She has been seen in viral videos before. The way that this article is written is to appeal to your emotion. And if we were just following what's been going on on social media and what the mainstream media media does when they're sharing information, if you can't pick out the agenda and the propaganda that's in this article, I don't know what to tell you. It's crazy. So maybe there is this woman, this this one crazy woman who's gone viral more than once. Um, she's out jogging. She's kind of cunty. And she comes up and she gets into people's business and calls the police and tells them, you know, and it also adds that extra little sting that this bitch was trying to lure this dog to go into the street to get hit to teach, you know, their owners a lesson for not leashing them like the city wanted them to. So that's just a little extra. Not only is she being a racist, she's being anti-Asian and she's being, um, she's being, you know, an animal abuser. So man, we better hate this lady because she's a real piece of shit. Well, if there is a lady that's going around doing this kind of shit, yeah, you are a real piece of shit, but I'm not sure I believe that this woman is actually doing this. If she is, then fuck her and whatever. But it, these kind of articles make me really suspicious when they use triggering language like that. So it kind of goes along with our theme that our news media has become a psyop <laughs> and our social media. Next is an article which is sad. And I think there's a life lesson to be learned here. And I think that it it's a clue for people to, you know, keep an eye out for each other and to protect each other from people that are in this state of mind. It is titled, Man Who Killed Six-Year-Old Faye Svetlik Was Self-Described Incel Who Hid Her Body For Two Days, Say Police. It says, a man who killed a young girl last year was self-described as incel and asexual. He hid her body in his home for a couple days. Casey Department of Public Safety in South Carolina reportedly did not establish a motive behind Cody Scott Taylor, 30 years old, taking the life of Faye Marie Svetlik, six years old. She went missing from the front yard of her own home on February 10th of 2020. She died of asphyxiation mere hours after she was abducted. Her body was found in a shallow grave on the 13th near her family's home. This guy, Cody Scott Taylor, who authorities have said just lived about 100 to 150 feet from her residence. He was found dead from an apparent suicide. Cops spoke to a friend who knew Taylor for about five years and 
and Taylor had described himself as being an asexual and an incel, which both of those are just kind of dangerous words, if words are dangerous. But it, it says a lot about somebody if they're going to claim to be, for one, incel, which is somebody who's um, celibate involuntarily. That's what my understanding of it is. And asexual. His, this friend described him as a loner who constantly had a negative outlook on life. And he had once said he had lived without hope. Evidence and facts point to the exact same conclusion that this Cody kid abducted and murdered this little girl. And he was the sole perpetrator in this horrible case. Public safety director Byron Snellgrove said that evidence included his DNA under her fingernails, a dirt cover covered ladle and a trash can that had DNA from them both. And as a part of the search for the missing girl, police had gone to Taylor's home the day before her body was discovered, but did not find her remains. They saw a black laundry bag that had later determined to have the kid's DNA on it. They did not see anything suspicious in this initial visit. He was acting very strange after returning home from work, his roommate said, and the residents started to have a strange smell since the girl went missing. According to the police account, he said that all... At the time, he thought it was a deodorizer that Taylor was using to hide the marijuana smell, but in retrospect, he believed he was trying to hide the smell of the body. So this guy had a roommate, grown-ass man with his roommate, who claims to be an incel and an asexual and definitely did not have a positive outlook on life. Those are all red flags. Keep an eye on people like that. Just pisses me off, you know? Next, we're going to talk <laughs> about this futurism article, which is kind of funny and kind of not at the same time, because it's, there's a little bit of shit talk from the person who's writing the article regarding Elon Musk and what he tweeted. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but there are a whole lot of articles about people reporting on what famous people tweet and what they react to and clapping back and all this shit. So... That's kind of funny and kind of ridiculous, but, you know, we're seeing it, so we're going to talk about it. This one's pretty interesting because it involves a organism that is really interesting, or it's uh, an organism that's very fascinating, and I want to learn more and more about it. So the Tesla CEO was responding to a story from National Geographic about toxoplasmosis, a common parasite found in cats. It seems to be causing hyenas to be reckless around predators such as lions. In a staggering and perhaps facetious leap of logic, Musk suggests that the parasite is actually what's causing humans to create advanced artificial intelligence. So it's interesting, right? Toxoplasmosis infects rats, then cats, and then humans that make cat videos, Musk tweeted on Friday. He goes on to say that AI trains achieves superhuman intelligence training on internet cat videos, thus making toxoplasmosis the true arbiter of our destiny. That's a scary thought. That's like a, a, a sci-fi horror film that our brains actually have parasites in them that control our behavior. Toxoplasmosis is a single-celled parasite that typically infects rats and mice. The parasite affects the minds of the rodents and causes them to lose their fear in predators such as cats and humans. 
These newly brave rats will approach cats, get eaten, and pass on the parasite to the cats who then pass it on to people. A symbiotic relationship with cats, essentially. It does affect humans, and that's why they do not want pregnant women to clean the litter box, because it is actually in the shit of the cat. And so you actually breathe it in, and it gets into your brain. And so we are probably rolling around with toxoplasmosis in our brain. Is it going to put us in the line of danger of a predator, more likely? Maybe. I mean, if its life cycle calls for it, which is basically what we've been observing with this parasite, and it's crazy. It says that people who tested positive for toxoplasmosis can exhibit more risk-taking behavior. The study looking at almost 600 people in the Czech Republic and 370 people in Turkey. I don't think that's a big enough sample size, but they found that those who tested positive for toxoplasmosis were overall more likely to experience a car crash. That doesn't really make any sense. I'm not so sure about that. I think that that's some bad science, but I don't know. At the end of the day, though, it's incredibly unlikely that a brain parasite is causing humans to create superhuman AI. For one, not everyone has a cat, and there's no evidence that toxoplasmosis makes us want to create advanced computer science projects. It might cause us to take more risky behavior. So this is where he he claps back at Elon Musk. He says, but it might cause us to take more risky behavior like, oh, I don't know, investing billions into an electric car company attempting to colonize Mars, or trying to control the entire cryptocurrency market by sending off meme tweets, or make outrageous jokes about parasites on Twitter. Ha ha ha, that was funny, right? Great opportunity to talk about toxoplasmosis. Not so sure if it's making us create AI. Maybe. I don't really think so, but you never know, right? Let's go on to the next article really pisses me off. It is a video of this guy attacking this lady on the street. Let me read this to you. Police in New York City are currently searching for a male suspect who was caught on surveillance video this week tackling a 35-year-old woman on the sidewalk, forcing his hands down her shorts, and groping her. About 8 p.m. on Monday, June 28th in Brooklyn, NYPD posted a 37-second video of this incident to Twitter It shows this unidentified woman. Her face is blurred, obviously. She's walking south on Morgan Avenue, her attacker following about 10 feet behind her. The victim appears to look back and see the guy, and then she moves aside to let him walk past her. He walks by without looking at her, and then the video fades. And then the victim noticed an unidentified male was following her, so she turned to head westbound. Then the video picks up from a different camera on Stag Street moments later, showing the woman walking on the sidewalk. Her attacker had once gotten behind her. So I don't know if anybody's experienced this. This is some scary shit. Somebody's following you down the road and you're by yourself. He suddenly breaks into a sprint, running towards her back, and then leaps on her, standing, landing directly on top of her before he tackles her to the ground. He gropes her for probably about 15 seconds before sprinting back in the direction from which he came. He reached down her shorts and forcibly grabbed her butt, and then the male fled the location running eastbound. She was not physically injured and refused medical treatment. The surveillance videos provides clear picture of this scumbag. He's about five foot five, little dude, weighing 165 pounds, they determine. Medium complexion, medium build, black hair, 
he looks either um, some kind of Hispanic or maybe a mix of Asian. I can't really tell you. You guys have to look. But, you know, he's very identifiable. Their camera is sharp. It's clean. You could see him for sure. New York state law calls this forcible touching. This is defined as touching the sexual or the other intimate parts of another person for the purpose of degrading or abusing such person for the purpose of gratifying the actor's sexual desire or subjecting a person to sexual contact for the purpose of gratifying the actor's sexual desire and with intent to degrade or abuse the other person. There's a $3,500 reward to if the public wants to come forward and identify the suspect i sure as hell hope somebody sees his picture and can identify him and he can at least go to jail for a little bit maybe get his ass beat in there because situational awareness ladies especially oh men too i mean you have your back to somebody you already feel kind of intimidated by or i'm sure there's some freaking sirens going off inside of her body. I'm sure she knew that it was going to happen. And there could have been, there were some things that she could have done. Everybody who has not trained in any kind of martial arts or fighting technique should do some self-defense classes and practice out certain scenarios like that. Maybe we'll do an inward survival's school of magic on self-defense. But always be mindful of who is at your back. And if you see somebody rushing towards you, step to the side and put them down. At least try, you know. Sad. It's messed up. The last thing for our arduous Stacy's socials is another thing that just completely outraged me. Um, I guess it, it all goes with the theme that social media is trying to upset us. <laughs> Anissa Wire, 19, who was sentenced to 25 years at the Winnebago Mental Health Institute in December 2017, argued in a petition for conditional release that she's no longer a threat to anyone. This is the chick from the Slender Man altercation. You remember those little girls that took their friend out and almost stabbed her to death? Pretty much like fucking horrific story. They're you're going to be letting this woman out. Listen to this. She's spent three and a half years in a state mental health facility after being convicted of stabbing her classmate to please the slender man. While Kesha County Judge Michael Boren gave state officials 60 days to draw up a conditional release plan and sent her back to the mental hospital pending another hearing on September 10th. She will be assigned to a Department of Health Services case managers to track her progress until she's 37. The May, 19, or May 2014 stabbing happened after Wire and her friend Morgan Geyser lured classmate Peyton Lutner into the woods following a sleepover. Geyser stabbed Lutner multiple times as Wire encouraged Geyser to inflict the injuries. All three girls were 12 years old. Wire and Geyser left Lutner for dead, and she, but she crawled out of the woods and was found by a passing bicyclist. She suffered 19 stab wounds and barely survived. They told investigators they stabbed Lutner because they thought Slenderman was real. They said that they thought attacking her would make them his servants and keep him from killing their families. Boren sentenced Geyser in February 2018 to 40 years in a mental health facility. 
when Wire petitioned Boren for conditional, conditional release in March, she said she had exhausted all of her treatment options at Winnebago and she needed to rejoin society. Prosecutors countered that Wire remains dangerous and will have a hard time making friends, which could lead her to associate with mentally disturbed people. Well, no fucking shit. She needs to be locked up for the rest of her life. I don't really have very much sympathy for that kind of behavior. But at the same time, I have kind of advocated for the release of some of the the Manson participants. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a... It's a difficult situation. I think maybe after 30 years, they might not be a danger to society. Maybe might be able to re-enter society. But at this age, no way. She's only been there for in, in there for like three and a half years. No fucking way to let her out. Boren found prosecutors failed to prove Wire had remains a threat and that nothing suggests she'll hurt people again. Hmm. So keep an eye on that one, folks, because one of the Slenderman girls might be getting out of jail. What? Let's be efficient and knock the business out of the way. Follow me on all the social medias. Go like the Fringe with Benefits Facebook page. And while you're at it, go find the Inward Survivals Facebook page. Good stuff over there. And for all things Naked and Afraid and about me, go visit my Facebook fan page at Stacey Leo Sorio. Support the show's Twitter at Stacey Fringe. And my Instagram is at Golden underscore Valkyrie underscore. And YouTube is at Golden Valkyrification. Rumble and BitChute is Golden Valkyrie. Connect with me there. Parlay and Mines at Golden Valkyrie. MeWe, Stacy McCauley. And Gab is Golden underscore Valkyrie. Go subscribe to the Fringe with Benefits Telegram channel. And if you're looking for weird, you know, controversial information, that's where you're going to find that. Don't forget to visit InwardSurvival.com for more info. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, go give me a rating and review. The more ratings and reviews, the more the podcast is seen on Apple Podcasts. I think you guys know this, but just saying... Share the show, but please consider the disclaimer. I'm not for everyone, and some people may be upset and offended by my opinions and chosen content. Go visit Fringe with Benefits Anchor homepage linked below to click the support the show button. There are options for a monthly donation for the show. Make sure you visit the show's Patreon, Fringe with Benefits. I'm not charging, well, I don't understand how Patreon works yet, so. I'm not really, like, charging for any content over there, but that's still new, so I have no idea how it works. In fact, I just followed my very first Patreon person, and that person is Program Black. His name is Terry. He's starting his own podcast as well. He's got extremely intelligent guys, got some good information, and, and once it gets going, I will be able to talk about that more. But anyways... Don't really know how to work Patreon, but there I do have a Patreon account over there. And I have been putting things on there. And I've been actually sharing some pictures and talking pretty detailed about what's going on inside the picture. Or what's, I don't know, what's actually coming from me when I share this picture. And thanks again to our subscribers. Thank you for the support. I'm super appreciative. Remember, if you support the show, you support Inward Survival and I really appreciate it. Okay, let's move on into our accountability segment. May as well do that right now. Okay, first, my guest spot last week, I talked about Hollow Sky Podcast. I may have already recommended them in a previous episode. I don't remember, and sorry. I must really like them if I want to talk about them a lot. They are pretty fun to listen to, and their audience is still growing as well. 
The last accountability segment, I said conservative ship when I was talking about Britney Spears. It's actually conservatorship. Oopsie. I know my words, but sometimes I get it wrong. And then, okay, something I want to talk about is what the fuck is up with people expecting you to be super tough all the time when you've been on Naked and Afraid? I'm wondering if any military people that have been to war experience this kind of interaction. Not that I'm comparing my Naked and Afraid experience to going to war, but there is some elements that are kind of similar. Like, you know, people will say things like, you're a survivalist, or you shouldn't be cold, you know, look at what you've been through. You know, how did you survive in Africa? <laughs> so just because I did that does not mean that I don't feel regular discomfort like regular people. Being cold or hot or uncomfortable does not mean that I'm not a bad bitch. It just means that I am vulnerable too. And sometimes I want to express my discomfort. So I kind of take offense to that because it's kind of like, what the fuck? You know, it doesn't make me any more special just because I, I participated in something that was rather challenging. So it doesn't mean everything. Let's also take a moment to chat about the insanity of people who are unable and too fearful to speak out against the current tyrannical expectations of our leadership right now. What the hell? I am dead serious about unmasking these kids and educating people on the dangers and redundancy of mask wearing. I had a chat with a fellow professional about the fear of being reported and doxxed by our neighbors. Like, she's watching some very bad behavior happen on her community social media And people are literally calling people's jobs, telling on them for expressing an opinion on social media. And so people are afraid to say anything about especially this particular subject because their neighbors might judge them. So the the idea that noncompliance for medical reasons can be seen as controversial, this is greatly upsetting to me and what... Where on God's green earth did this come from? And that, you know, that could really explain why I was just pretty upset last year, especially like this time last year when the mask mandates came out. So I'm thinking about, I'll be talking more about this at a later time, but for now, let's protect our freedoms and not infringe on the free will of others, folks. Send me your stories. Send all your mail to fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. That's fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. I want to hear your ghost stories. I want to hear your crazy time-lapse stories, your Sasquatch stories. I know people out there that are listening to this have seen or experienced something that they want to share. I had a couple really great stories, one from a fella who is being gang stalked and surveilled and probably victim of certain kinds of technologies that are geared to drive people crazy. So I had a story like that. I had a story from Tombstone. My friend had experienced something really creepy. If you listen a few episodes back, that was a good one. And then she also told me her story of being fucking robbed at gunpoint. And she's pretty much a hero, so you'll have to go back. I don't remember what episode that was, but she's got some stories like you wouldn't even believe. Those are the kind of stories that I want to hear, guys. I want to hear if you think that you're being gang-stalked or if you think people are listening in on your phone conversations. Tell me all about it. And like I said, 
send your emails to fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. Let's get into our weekly topic. This is something that I had totally forgotten about, but it's it's like the biggest news of this fucking millennia, honestly. And it happened, I think it started happening in 2009. We're, we're going to get into it, but it is the black pyramid that was seen hovering over the Kremlin in Russia and over our own Pentagon nine years later. First incident happened in 2009. That was in Russia. Early morning hours, there's this floating pyramid, huge, like a mile across, fucking massive pyramid just floating, suspended in air, rotating slowly over the Kremlin in Russia. People had gotten it on film. And then nine years later to the date, pretty much, in 2018, same thing happened over the Pentagon. Both of these are highly guarded airspace. And why, you know, there wasn't very much comment on this is that's what the mystery is. But as you can tell, a lot of the news nowadays is geared to disclosure. So we are at the very, very beginning of the disclosure They're going to be telling us that, yes, they do exist. There are several thousands of species and that they are there among us. As a civilian, as just a normal average Joe, that we are still in the dark ages in comparison to what our technology has achieved. They're just not telling us. Let's get into this pyramid UFO recorded. By many citizens over the Pentagon in December of 2018, there was a guy who tried to film it with his phone, but it wouldn't show up very well, so he was able to switch cameras because he was out there for some kind of photography project. Early morning hours in the Arlington Cemetery, he was able to film this thing with his other camera. It was rotating very slowly, just like the one over Russia, and it was caught on camera by several people that morning, all from different vantage points, so that was pretty interesting a lot of components to consider when we're talking about this. What about the national security? Why didn't they deploy any jets to confront this thing? Granted, it was huge and freaking terrifying, and they probably were taking more of a, a strategic stance by just waiting and seeing what it was going to do, and it didn't do anything. It just basically sat there. But the fact that this was not blasted all over international news media and that not everybody knows about this, that's what the big mystery is for me. So, of course, like I said, they flew over the Kremlin in Moscow in 2008. I'm sorry, it was December 2009, and that was at the New York Post. I'm I'm putting a ton of links below, and then we're going to go over them, but there's going to be a lot of videos, so you're just going to have to check out the links and look at all the footage. The first link is a video from a Reddit thread. And then the next link is the Daily Motion. There's a three-minute video. It's really good. They discuss how the police and the military refuse to comment about this. There's a video analysis of the large pyramid triangle UFO over the Kremlin and the Red Square in Moscow, December 9th, 2009. Britain's Telegraph newspaper confirms a giant pyramid which appeared to be a UFO hovering over the Kremlin. Reportedly, Nick Pope, a former British Military of Defense UFO analyst, first had doubts, but when the flying triangle was seen on video moving behind a power line, he became less skeptical, and he said it was one of the most extraordinary UFO clips he'd ever seen. 
In the Ottawa Citizen, the next link, Russian news shows that they've been broadcasting these video clips of the giant pyramid, which appears to be a UFO hovering. Daily Telegraph reports the craft hovered for hours over Red Square in the Russian capital. It was literally there until 8 o'clock in the morning, so even during daylight. The object has been compared to an Imperial cruiser in the Star Wars films, and witnesses estimated it could be up to a mile wide. And if you watch the video, this thing is freaking huge. And then we've got an MSN report. Pentagon confirms pyramid-shaped UFO video footage is authentic. There are these some videos taken by the Navy that were released. And these are being confirmed as authentic. This isn't, it's, it looks like the same object as what's in the other two. But this one is actually newer and it's pretty interesting. So I'm going to read this to you. It says, while UFOs are a stigmatized topic associated with conspiracy theories and intertwined with pop culture, the fact remains that UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomenon, are also called anomalous aerial vehicles, AAVs, that they're very real, representing documented sightings of this phenomena that neither the military nor scientific observers can easily identify. The newly surfaced sightings are sourced by filmmaker Jeremy Corbell. If you're familiar with him, he's done some documentaries on Skinwalker Ranch. And he's also, you know, teamed up with reporter George Knapp. And he's the one who broke the Bob Lazar video or the Bob Lazar interview. This included footage of a mysterious pyramid-shaped craft observed flying through the sky along with images of three other strange objects, one of which appears... My cat is crying (laughs) in the background. They had been shared online last year. I can confirm that the reference photos and videos were taken by Navy personnel. Pentagon spokesperson Susan Goh said in a statement distributed to numerous media outlets. So they're saying that they definitely took it. And the UAPTF, that is the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, has included these incidences in their ongoing examinations. The Pentagon corroborates the authenticity of the imagery. The U.S. Department of Defense hasn't clarified anything further than that, remaining tight-lipped about what, if anything, their investigations of these strange objects might have upturned. Go says... As we have said before, to maintain operation security and to avoid disclosing information that may be useful to potential adversaries, the Department of Defense does not discuss publicly the details of either the observations or the examinations of reported incursions to our training ranges or designated airspace, including those incursions initially designated as UAP. Thanks to Corbell and Knapp's investigation, however, more can be revealed about the details of these sightings, including details presented in a series of classified intelligence briefings from May 2020 by the UAPTF to educate defense personnel on UFO and UAP matters. In the briefings, one reported sighting details observations of the pyramid-shaped craft filmed by a crew of the USS Russell off the coast of San Diego in July of 2019. This video of this incident clearly shows one such triangular-looking object said to be hovering about 210 meters, or about 700 feet, above the vessel. An account of the episode describes three purported unidentified vehicles flying over in a swarm over the ship. In another sighting, a spherical vehicle of some kind was observed by a crew aboard the USS Omaha, flying into the ocean and disappearing into the water. 
The UAPTF documentation suggests the craft was ought to have sunk, but the subsequent search of the area by the submarine revealed no wreckage. A series of other sightings, all recorded in the same day in March 2019 by an F-18 weapon system officer using his iPhone camera, revealed three UAPs seen near Naval Air Station Oceana in Virginia. The objects, all of which looked dissimilar, have come to be known as the sphere, the acorn, and the metallic blimp. Some have speculated they could be weather balloons or foreign spy drones. Not that the Pentagon confirms that. When pressed by intelligence website The Black Vault, we've discussed them before, as to whether these UAPs were still categorized as unidentified, go only offered, I have nothing further for you beyond what I've provided. Still many questions, and the newly leaked information does at least provide more evidence than the DOD continues to investigate and treat UAPs as a serious subject. Corbell, along with others in the intelligence community, hope that by sharing this information, it will further bolster rational and transparent investigations of these mysterious objects. It's all good stuff. There's another article linked, uh, News Intact, Giant Pyramid Over Pentagon, recorded by many, three citizens, three different videos. And okay, so you've got this crazy-ass pyramid that was floating over the Kremlin, right? Let's start with that one in 2009. Literally the same day, we had that weird spiral in Oslo, Norway. Now I'm going to tell you about this spiral, the Norway spiral. It says, in December 9th, 2009, reports say it was a failed launch of a Russian rocket, probably a Balava ICBM, a problem-plagued Russian missile that reportedly had several test launches scheduled. Russian officials haven't confirmed this, And in fact, one official denied there was any rocket launch in the area. Also, an anonymous Russian military source said it was actually a failed launch from a submarine in the White Sea. Russia has finally admitted a missile accident with the Bulava. This rocket has failed six of 13 previous tests. An expert, Doug Ellison from unmannedspaceflight.com, has created a video and showing this morphology of this tumbling rocket stage, throwing out unspent fuels in two directions. You gotta watch this little video. And it's a set of rendered views using 3ds Max to produce a course simulation of of what may have occurred to produce the beautiful formation in the sky over Norway. He said it's not an official answer, but it looks beautiful, but there's probably a fairly ordinary explanation. So you have to open up these links to actually see the spiral or just Google the Norway spiral. And, you know, tell me, tell me what you think. It's pretty interesting. Astroengine.com did an article basically saying the same thing, but with a little twist at the end. He said, there's a chance that it could have been a wormhole opening up from another universe, allowing the Anunnaki to return to Earth ahead of their Planet X invasion force in 2012. But I'll leave that theory for the doomsday wing nuts to mull over. So that was his little way of saying, you know, if anybody thinks it's anything other than a failed rocket, then they're, they're crazy. The Huffington Post talks about it, also links it to that this light, it was spotted a day before President Obama was scheduled to give an acceptance speech in Oslo, Norway for his Nobel Peace Prize. Speculation is rampant on what the light actually was. It it could have been anything from a Russian rocket to a meteor or a shockwave. And as far as, you know, people on both sides, you've got people on both sides. 
saying that it it was a failed missile test. But why wouldn't they even try to connect the floating pyramid? It, it's just weird. According to the RoswellUFOMuseum.com, which is kind of my favorite little two-minute read because it was pretty good. They talk about the the spirals official reports that it was, you know, a result of failed rocket launch due to, you know, this missile Bulava ICBM that was just kept screwing up, was plagued with problems, although it was unconfirmed by Russian officials. An anonymous military source responded that it had been a submarine missile launch in the White Sea. The missile rumored to rumored to have been out of control exploded on the dim morning horizon, creating this unusual light pattern in the shape of a spiral. And it was showcased from the sun's beams reflecting off and backlighting the leaking fuel. However, one Russian official denied any claims of rocket launches, leaving skeptics to speculate as to what in the world the spiral really was. Total freaking mystery, both of them. It's just, it's really interesting that this thing would have peered over Russia during in which the time maybe they were testing missiles in the White Sea. And then nine years later, to the day, the same thing was floating over the Pentagon, the other world power. Have you seen a UFO? Send your experience to fringewithbenefits at protonmail.com. Fringe with Benefits is brought to you by Cacao Bliss, chocolate that's actually healthy. And right now you can save 15% off your next order of Cacao Bliss. Go to earthechofoods.com and use the promo code BENEFITS when you check out. How would you like to lose weight, boost your energy, and reduce inflammation with one delicious drink? Cacao Bliss is a superfood from celebrity trainer Danette May. It starts with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun. Cacao Bliss is blended with 10 organic superfoods, including turmeric, MCT oil, and coconut for maximum health benefits. Cacao Bliss is friendly to paleo, gluten-free, keto, vegan, and vegetarian diets. And right now, you can save 15% off your next order of Cacao Bliss. Go to earthechofoods.com and use the promo code BENEFITS when you check out. Okay, here we are at our guest spot. Today we're going to talk about this really cool company. I'm totally wanting to tell everybody about it. It's Alira Apparel, Alira Pants. I know I've talked talked about it before, but it is coming to the point where if you backed this project, then you're going to start to see your products soon. And I wanted to read to you a little bit from their website and a little blog and talk about why they don't put labels on their pants. So these are the pants that you can literally unzip and squat and go to the bathroom. So obviously it's made for women so you don't have to drop your pants when when nature calls and it doesn't leave you vulnerable. So this is ideal for women that are working outdoors, working in a group outdoors. It just makes it so much better to be able to just unzip like a, like a dude can, and just go to the bathroom without having to pull your pants all the way down. So let's talk about the labels. Kelly McCombs, that is, she is the owner and the founder and the patent holder, and she is the mastermind behind these awesome pants. She writes, Why no labels on our Alera clothing? I had come to this decision early on, back when I was developing my product. This was even before the Me Too movement happened. I, I often wonder why this product hadn't been developed. I would think about the freedom it would provide women. 
My mind would wander to all the different fields of work women were active in, from campers, field scientists, hikers, farmers, to bush pilots and long-haul trucking. Yes, women are making more and more choices to enter blue-collar jobs, jobs that provide them a a lifestyle outside of the day-to-day conventional office jobs. Women have become a driving change in fighting for gender equality in what was once a male-dominated workforce. For women, the inconvenience of pulling your pants down around your ankles and exposing yourself with your butt sticking out as you're having to pee in an outdoor environment is not only inconvenient but compromising to our health and safety, not to mention our dignity. I'm proud to bring my products to women everywhere in all types of environments, be it to play, explore, or work. I believe women have been exploited enough and it's time to say no more, so it is for this reason there will be no logos on my product. It would be compromising to my beliefs around who the Alira woman is. Isn't freedom what we all want? To be set free. Hell yeah. Labels are lame, man. We don't need to label everything. You know what I mean? So go over to alirapparel.com. I don't believe that you can start ordering yet, but when you can, uh, I will be letting you know. But go check it out. Go see the videos. Subscribe to all of their social medias so you can see their ads and keep current with what's going on with them. For sure. Alirapparel.com. Inward Survival School of Magic this week, we're going to be talking about narcissism and boundaries and how to be considerate of other people at the same time, how to establish assertiveness in these kinds of situations. First thing we're going to talk about how to respect other people's boundaries. Boundary violations typically fall into three categories, according to Chester McNaughton, a registered professional counselor who specializes in boundaries, anger management, and dysfunctional relationships. They're either aggressive, passive-aggressive, or accidental. Aggressive violations include shoving and hitting, like the guy that groped that lady. I would say that that's an aggressive boundary of violation. That would be damaging property, exerting control over someone's time, money, making threats, taunting, and hurling insults. Passive-aggressive violations include interrupting, gossiping, giving the silent treatment, or assuming you know what someone thinks, needs, or wants. This also includes discounting of someone's beliefs, preferences, and feelings. Accidental violations include bumping into someone or stating an opinion respectfully, but finding out the other person finds it offensive. So here are several suggestions for respecting other people's boundaries. First, focus on respect. Stressing the importance of seeing others as just human, just like us. Everyone has thoughts, feelings, dreams, and hopes, and everybody wants to be heard and accepted. So that's like the golden rule. Treat others like you want to be treated. Next would be listen fully. He says to listen to care about them and not to interrupt. Resist to think about what you're going to say next. Don't spend the time that you're supposed to be listening thinking about what you're going to counter with. Completely wait until the other person is finished speaking. Take a breath and then respond. You'll be making space for the other person to express him or herself and helps you get out of the habit of reactivity. That's, I'm really bad at that. Next is listen for verbal cues. Some may be obvious, like I'm uncomfortable sitting so close to you or I've asked you to knock before you come to my house. Others might be subtle, such as changing the subject in the midst of a conversation to something less emotionally vulnerable. Next would be pay attention to body language. Body language speaks louder than words. If someone has their arms folded while they're talking to you, they might not be open to what you're saying. If they're stepping back every few minutes, you might be standing a little too close and invading their space. 
McNaughton says the key to boundaries is respect for yourself and respect for others. And that it's meaning that I am important enough that I look after and advocate for myself. An example of respecting boundaries is when, for example, if your daughter-in-law requests that you don't give unsolicited advice, you listen to her without resentment and refrain from giving advice. So I think we've all been there. We maybe want someone to listen to us and they, we don't want them to give advice. Maybe you tell them. And if somebody says that to you, be considerate enough to be like, okay, I can shut my mouth and just hear what you have to say. Another example, which I think is kind of important, is not to bring up a sensitive topic in front of people, something they don't want to talk about, especially in front of others. Move on. Next would be the NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. Sharon Martin, she's an LCSW licensed psychotherapist, writer, speaker, and media contributor on emotional health and relationships. Her psychotherapy practice is in San Jose, and she specializes in helping individuals overcome codependency and perfectionism and learn to accept and love themselves. Super important. She gives some great pointers in this article. She said, it isn't easy to set boundaries with toxic people, but it's something we can all learn to do. And when we do, it's empowering. So not only do we need to look for other people's boundaries, we need to establish some ourselves. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are really bad at putting up boundaries and it causes them a lot of discomfort. Discomfort that you necessarily shouldn't have. That's the kind of stress you don't want. She says there's three parts to setting boundaries. First, you identify your boundaries and be clear on what you need before trying to communicate or enforce the boundaries. So maybe sit down with yourself and figure out what what you need. Next would be communicate your boundaries or expectations clearly, calmly, and consistently. Stick to the facts without over-explaining, blaming, or becoming defensive. It's more effective to say something like, and an example would be, I'm calling a cab, I'm not getting into the car with you when you've been drinking than to lose your temper and say, I can't believe you're going to drive home after you've been drinking. Every time we go out, it's the same thing. I'm not going to take it anymore. So that's just adding some extra stuff in there. You don't have to. You can basically just communicate your needs simply without attacking the other person. And then last, if your boundaries aren't respected, evaluate your options and take action. She says that toxic people are the folks that ooze negative energy and leave us feeling worse whenever we're around them. I strongly believe that your gut instinct will tell you whether someone is toxic and not healthy to be around. If you want more guidance, below here are some characteristics of toxic people. Let's go through these. Toxic people lie regularly. They take advantage of your kindness. They don't respect your boundaries. They manipulate you in order to get what they want. They'll put you down and say negative things. They don't encourage you to pursue your goals. They don't consider other people's feelings or needs. They feel entitled. They're frequently angry or aggressive. They rarely apologize or they don't see that they've ever done anything wrong and don't take responsibility for their actions. They will drain your energy. They'll have a lot of drama or problems in their life but don't want to change anything about it. They think the rules don't apply to them pretty much and they do a lot of talking and they don't listen much. You also need to look at your boundaries and decide whether or not they're negotiable. Some are more important than others and identifying what you're willing to accept and what you aren't is going to help you. 
it could be a, a good thing compromising. Sometimes you have to, especially if you want the relationship to work. You do have to compromise with your boundaries as well as respect others. But you have to have to be very, very careful like what you're going to negotiate on because some people will allow that disrespect and sometimes abuse for years and years and most of their lives. And that is not a good thing either. Make sure you write down what's happening. Do some journaling. Um, if you record these boundary violations in a relationship and your responses, this will help you check for your weak spots. If you repeatedly set the same boundary with someone who isn't listening, we often will start to give up and then become inconsistent with our boundaries. If you notice that you aren't consistently setting healthy boundaries, make adjustments. Writing things down can help you get clarity about what you're willing to accept and how you feel about it, as well as documenting occurrences and events. Sometimes somebody is just, you know, repetitively awful to you. And sometimes, you know, you just, you don't even realize it until you start writing it down and documenting it. Because then you can look back and be like, holy shit, this person's doing this, this, and this, and this. And I'm just putting up with it. This is a great way. It's like, that's being a citizen scientist is documenting your observations. Accept that some people will not respect your boundaries no matter what you do. This is a difficult truth and it's disappointing. And then you have to decide whether or not you want to continue having a relationship with that person. If they, they won't adjust their behavior to be more pleasant to be around, why would you want to lower yourself? Practice loving detachments. Detaching is a shift away from trying to control people and situations. When you're in a state of fear, it's understandable that you want to control things to protect yourself, but trying to control other people never works. We cannot control others. When we detach, we stop trying to change others and force the outcome we want, and you can detach from narcissistic and toxic people by physically leaving the situation, responding in a different way, changing the dynamics of the interaction, it, that might freak them out, but it, it's a good way to deal with it. Declining invitations to spend time with them. Sometimes you have to distance yourself. Letting them make their own decisions and deal with the consequences of those choices. Don't give them unsolicited advice and choose not to participate in the same old arguments. Do not give like unproductive conversations your time and energy. Detaching doesn't mean you don't care. It means you're taking care of yourself and being realistic about what to do. And then, you know, at the very end of it is you, you might want to consider limiting the contact or going without contact. Sometimes the only way to protect yourself is to stop communicating with that person. If they will not respect your boundaries and they decide to continue to make it intolerable, you have to exercise self-care if someone is hurting you physically or emotionally, you owe it to yourself to put distance between you and that person. And I love this. And she says that family and friends should lift you up and support you, not leave you depressed, anxious, angry, or confused. Our stoic thought of the week goes to Abraham Lincoln. He said, Folks are usually about as happy as they make their minds up to be. America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. When I do good, I feel good. And when I do bad, I feel bad. That's my religion. And last but not least, 
Those who deny freedom to others deserve it not for themselves. Have a great week, everybody. Remember, if you're looking to lose weight, boost your energy, and reduce inflammation, check out Cacao Bliss, chocolate that's actually healthy. Enjoy the incredible benefits of chocolate without worrying about the side effects of added sugars and artificial ingredients. And right now, you can save 15% on your next order of Cacao Bliss. Go to earthechofoods.com and use the promo code BENEFITS when you check out. That's earthechofoods.com and use the promo code BENEFITS.